Nehemiah chapter 1, Nehemiah chapter 1, and uh, we'll be looking together at verses 1 through 4 tonight, Uh, 1 through 4 tonight, and uh, the title of the message is one word, it's simply this, burdened, burdened. Nehemiah chapter 1, and we're going to read verses 1 through 4 together. I invite you, if you would, to stand with me tonight out of respect for the reading of God's word as you are able. The Bible says in Nehemiah 1, the words of Nehemiah, the son of Hekeliah, and it came to pass in the month Chislu, in the 20th year, as I was in Shushan, the palace, that Hanani, one of my brethren, came, he and certain men of Judah. And I asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped, which were left of the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said unto me, The remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. And it came to pass, when I heard these words, that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Father, we love you. I ask as we look into your word tonight for our Bible study, Lord, that you truly would open our hearts. Lord, that we would allow the Spirit of God to take the word of God And Lord, apply it to our hearts. Lord, in such a way that when we hear it and receive it and respond to it tonight, that each of us would leave more like Jesus. We ask these things in His name. And all God's people said, Amen. You may be seated. So tonight we're in the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah uh, saw the Lord work mightily in his life. To follow the story of Nehemiah, you will find that Nehemiah was used by the Lord to lead the people of Jerusalem to rebuild the walls of the city in 52 days. Sometimes when construction projects happen around, uh, whether it's road construction or building construction, let's just pick road construction. Sometimes I don't think that they can get cones set out in 52 days, uh, much get the whole project completed. But Nehemiah and his crew, the Lord enabled them to see the walls of the city uh, be rebuilt and repaired in 52 days' time. Nehemiah also saw the Lord sustain mightily in his life. A couple of weeks ago, we looked at the life of Nehemiah when the going gets tough. Uh, when the enemy's threatened, when violence is at hand, when discouragement and despair sets in. And yet, for all of his troubles, Nehemiah saw God sustain him mightily throughout his life. Nehemiah saw the Lord grant him mighty influence. He eventually became governor of that territory of the city of Jerusalem. None of this was necessarily how Nehemiah drew it up. But when we look at Nehemiah's life, and we look at the account of what God did in him and through him, I want us to see tonight that it all started with a burden. Nehemiah got a burden to do something for God. And that's what I want to talk about this evening being burdened, being spiritually burdened by God. Look with me. Let's look at verses 1 through 4 again. The Bible says, The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah, and it came to pass in the 
uh, in the month Chislu, in the 20th year, as I was in Shushan, the palace. Now that's going to be key. So where was Nehemiah? He was in the palace, right? Uh, verse number two, and Hen and I, one of my brethren came, he and certain men of Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped, which were left to the captivity and concerning Jerusalem. So to give you, to set the stage a little bit, the nation of Israel, because of their disobedience, was carried away captive by Babylon for 70 years. At the end of 70 years, God began to allow remnants of people to return to the land. So Nehemiah is asking some of his brethren about the remnants and some of those that had escaped exile and had returned to the city of Jerusalem. So you guys were able to go back home. How's it going? Verse 3, And they said unto me, The remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. And it came to pass that when I heard these words, that I sat down and wept. And I mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. I want to start tonight by making this statement. Number one, spiritual burdens are important for God's people. God's people need to have spiritual burdens. I want you to see tonight the origin for Nehemiah's burden. Now, what is a burden? A burden is a weight that you carry. There are many types of burdens in life. There are physical burdens that sometimes we're asked to carry. Whether it be an illness or a diagnosis or a disability, sometimes there are physical burdens. Sometimes there are relational or emotional burdens. Sometimes situational burdens. I have to admit that uh, I have been burdened the last couple of days about the dumbest thing in all the world. That's my yard. <laughs> Brother Barry, for some dumb reason, I love my yard. And I try to work hard to at least keep the pe part people can see looking nice. Amen? Amen. Amen. I tell you what. They're letting all these companies come in and tear up our yards in the name of utilities. They let one company do it last year. They didn't even fill in the holes they left. So wouldn't you know it? A different company is doing it this year. I walked outside yesterday at 7.30. There they were. They already had a big old hole in my yard. And I'm like, come on, guys. And you know what? As dumb as it is, that yard has been on my mind like all stinking week. And how often is that the case? Like, there are burdens in life, physical burdens, emotional, relational, situational. Some of that is things we can't avoid. Some of that are things God gives us. But I'm not talking about that kind of burden tonight. Tonight I'm talking about spiritual burdens. Spiritual burdens are, are when we feel and we carry a weight for our God and for our God's work. When we look around and we see that there is much work to be done for the glory of our God. And that weighs on us in a particular way. The concept of being burdened for the Lord is, is not unique to Nehemiah. If you look at Habakkuk, Habakkuk 1 in verse number 1, the Bible says this, the burden of Habakkuk which the prophet did see. So as this book opens, God is going to place a burden on this man's heart that's going to define his ministry. 
I'm studying the book of Jeremiah personally right now, and Jeremiah did not have a fruitful ministry. God told him from the outset, you're going to preach, and they're going to hate you for it, but you're going to keep on preaching. Boy, isn't that an encouragement? And so in Jeremiah 20, we see an image where Jeremiah is really struggling with his calling. And Jeremiah said in his heart, then said, I, I will not make mention of him nor speak anymore in his name. Jeremiah said, I just can't do it anymore. But then look what happened. But his word was in mine heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones, he said. And I was weary with forbearing and could not stay. You know what that is? That's a spiritual burden. Amen. That's something that God had put on his heart and God had put in his life. Something God had given him to do. That's the kind of burden I'm talking about tonight. Now my point Simply, as spiritual burdens are important for God's people. Why are you starting there, preacher? Because I think we have to understand that our culture, we live in a day and age, and our culture really does its best to live without burdens. We want to organize our lives in such a way as we don't have burdens. Burdens are bad things. I don't want them. And so we do everything we can to throw off our burdens, to separate ourselves from burdens, to, to build up barriers so they can't get to us. Burdens are seen as unnecessary. They're, they're barriers to happy and fulfilling lives. I mean, who wouldn't want to just be able to skip their way through life? Never have any problems, never have any worries, never have any hardships, never have anything that keeps them up at night or gets them up early in the morning. Who wouldn't want to live like that? By the way, we can all identify with that, can't we? And let me mention before I go any farther, that's not totally without merit. You know, I think there's something within us. I love how one, one preacher put it. He said, the concept of unburdened days that our soul desires, what, they, what, what, that, what that desire is for unburdened days, they are echoes of our Edenic past and they are whispers of our better future. You know, truly one day there will come a time where we can lay our burdens down. But that is not our present world. Church, we live in a broken world full of broken people, full of brokenness. We live in a world that is in desperate need of the help, the hope, and the home that only Jesus brings. Having a spiritual burden is an important thing for God's people. You say, preacher, how do we gain a spiritual burden? Look at Nehemiah's example. What did he do? Uh, he listened. Verse number three, and they said unto me, the remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down and the gates thereof are burned with fire. You know, sometimes all we need to, to really be able to gain a spiritual burden is to stop and to listen. Because all around us, if we just stop and listen, do you know what we'll hear? We'll hear people in need of help. How do we gain a spiritual burden? Listen, listen, listen. But also look. In the next chapter, Nehemiah 2, Nehemiah took a, a survey trip, as it were. He went to go see it. Beginning in verse number 12, 
He said, and I arose in the night, I and a few men with me. Neither told I any man what my God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem. Verse, uh, neither was there any beast with me save the beast that I rode upon. Verse 13. And I went out by night by the gate of the valley, even before the dragon well, and to the dung port, and viewed the walls of Jerusalem, which were broken down, and the gates thereof were consumed with fire. You see, Nehemiah listened, and he gained a burden, but he also looked, and he went and saw. I think it's important for us to note as well as we talk about the importance of God's people having spiritual burdens. We all don't have to have the same burden because there is much to be done. Sometimes we get all hung up on that, don't we? Well, you know, other people should, should, should want to do this exact thing that God has laid on my heart. You know, I have known people and God has really burdened them to pass out gospel tracts. I think that's a wonderful burden to have. I've known other people who, who rather than going door to door and cold calling, they, they take the gospel tracts and maybe they buy a dozen donuts from the youth group and they, they give a gospel tract and a dozen donuts to their neighbor. And they pass out the gospel that way. I know other people who take them and they give them to the waiter or the waitress. Maybe the young person that checks them out at Walmart or Miller's. I know some people who have a burden for the homeless, people who have a burden for the hungry, people who ha have burdens for, for the orphans or those who are in foster care. Here's the thing. None of us can do it all, amen? But God calls all of us to do something, to get a spiritual burden. And I've known some Christians that get so caught up. Well, they can't be right with God because they don't have the same burden I do. They don't need to have the same burden you do. They need to have the burden that God has given them to do. Did you notice what Nehemiah said in Nehemiah 2.12? Go back to that verse, David. He said, and I arose, and I, a few of the men with me, neither told I any man, what does it say? What my God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem. You see, I don't need George's burden. God's, God's given George a great burden for the people at the nursing home. And George has a burden in a ministry particular to George. That doesn't mean our burdens can't overlap. But it means God's given him a burden, and God's given me a burden. You know, some of you, God, you have a tremendous burden for your grandchildren. That's the burden God's given you, the burden for your children. What is the spiritual burden that God has given you? And I ask that, and I park here tonight, because there are far too many believers who are trying their best to skip their way through life without any burden. And that is not how God has called us to live. Spiritual burdens are important for God's people. What is the spiritual burden that God wants to put on your heart to do? If you have life and breath, God has something for you to do. Spiritual burdens are important for God's people. Look back at verses 2 and 3. I want to point something else out. Nehemiah said, and Hanai, one of my brethren, came, he and certain men of Judah, 
I asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped, which were left to the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said unto me, The remnant that are left to the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. So number one, spiritual burdens are important for God's people. Number two, I want you to notice tonight that spiritual burdens give us meaning beyond ourselves. Spiritual burdens give us meaning beyond ourselves. What happens when we embrace that spiritual burden that God desires to put on our heart is it immediately will turn our attention beyond our own little world. Now, Nehemiah had a pretty sweet gig. Remember verse number one, where was Nehemiah residing these days? In the palace. I mean, of all places to be, I mean, if I got to go into exile, I'll go live in the palace. I mean, that's a pretty sweet gig. He wasn't doing hard labor. He wasn't wanting. He was living in the palace. And honestly, Nehemiah probably could have lived out his life in comfort. But when Nehemiah embraced the burden that God had given him, Nehemiah's spiritual burden would not allow him to coast through life. (coughs) Now here's another danger. Some of us, and our culture encourages this, What we want to do is we want to skip through life with no burden at all. But the other danger and the other encouragement we get from the culture is that if we're going to be burdened, well, then I'm going to be burdened with myself. I'm going to look out for number one. And and I've got these needs and these requirements and these things. And it's me, 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 me. But here's the problem with that. A me-first church will never reach a me-first world. And Christians, we must reject the notion of allowing self to be the defining burden of our lives. You look at Nehemiah's burden. Nehemiah was burdened for people. Nehemiah was burdened for the testimony of his God. Nehemiah was burdened. Nehemiah was called eventually to go and help to rebuild the walls. But before Nehemiah could rebuild a wall, he had to weep over the ruins. You know, I think sometimes we struggle to embrace a spiritual burden. We struggle to live a life that has meaning beyond ourselves because we fail to honestly understand how bad it really is. I mean, it's, it's, not, it's not tactful to, to talk about those things. It's not, it's not pleasant to, to, to bring those things up. I think today of how many children live in heartbreakingly broken homes. 
How many kids, even in our own area, really have nobody to adequately care for them? They're on their own, more or less. The older kids babysit the younger kids while the parents do whatever. Sometimes it's hard for us to think about how needy people are. Because you know, sin is a, a terrible taskmaster. And we, we talk about kids or collateral damage. You know, there are a lot of needs that are caused, a lot of innocents that suffer because of sin. But then beyond that, to think of the lives that are wrecked by sin. Boys, sometimes it's a lot easier to look down our sanctified noses and wag our sanctified fingers and say, well, if you wouldn't or if you would just. But I'm going to tell you, and some of you if, you, if you're honest with yourself, you can remember back, sin will put that hook in your nose and it will jerk you around with no regard for human life. And sin, James says, when it is finished, brings forth death. I think it's hard for us sometimes because we, we build a, we work hard to build a nice, safe, sanitized bubble. But there is a world in desperate need of the love of Christ. Spiritual burdens give meaning beyond ourselves, and I think we need to honestly take a look and see how bad it is. The needs are great. Sin is a terrible master. But I'm reminded of this tonight as well. On a spiritual level, those who die without Christ, they still die and go to hell. They still die and go to hell. And hell is, hell is still hot. Jesus over and over and over again. Matthew chapter 9, uh, three times in five verses, verse 44, Jesus said this, speaking of hell, or Mark, sorry, Mark 9, 44, David, you should have that one back there. He said, where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. Verse 46, he said it again, where their worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. Verse 48 says it again, where their worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. You know, Jesus' favorite analogy for hell was actually a place right outside Jerusalem. It was a garbage dump that was perpetually on fire. Where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. Revelation 14, it says, the smoke of their torment will ascend up forever and ever and ever. Revelation 20 and verse 15 says this, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Nehemiah was burdened. He was burdened for people. He was burdened for the testimony of his God. But I'm reminded that before he could rebuild a wall, he had to weep over the ruins. When is the last time the ruins of sin have really affected our hearts? Mm -hmm. 
spiritual burdens give a meaning beyond ourselves. I want you to note, though, that this is not just identifying problems. <laughs> That's easy, right? I mean, it's easy. Just watch the news. Problem, 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 problem. It's easy to identify problems. But having a spiritual burden and embracing and receiving the spiritual burden that God wants to give you is not just identifying problems. It is allowing God to show you how he wants you to be a part of the solution. You see, spiritual burdens are not something to be laid down, but something that ought to motivate us. Jeremiah had probably never been to Jerusalem. The people had been in captivity for 70 years. Jerusalem was like 800 miles away. He had probably never been there before he went in Nehemiah 2. And yet the burden that God had given him motivated him to get up and do something about it. Boy, as we are receiving a spiritual burden. Church, I think we ought to wrestle with our spiritual burdens because I think asking God to help us because there needs to be a level of specificity there. In other words, sometimes being burdened for everything will essentially allow us to be burdened for not much at all, nothing. A level of specificity about what God would have us do. How many Christians, they want to do something for God, but because they don't know where to start, they don't do anything at all. Just start somewhere. There are so many ways to just get started doing something for God. Yes. Amen. Praying and wrestling and asking for the Lord to help there to be a level of specificity there. But then also the need to take personal responsibility. Nehemiah didn't ask Hanani, his brethren, to do it. Nehemiah asked the Lord to let him do it. I love what Dale Money said a couple of weeks ago. You remember what he said? He said, a need seen is an assignment given. I tell you, I've tried to be conscientious just in my routine life. But ever since I heard that, I have looked at every piece of trash I have seen differently. A need seen is an assignment given. Lord, that's not my yard. A need seen is an assignment given. And so we see spiritual burdens give meaning, give us meaning beyond ourselves. So number one, what do we see about being burdened for the Lord? We see, number one, that spiritual burdens are important for God's people. Don't, don't resist spiritual burdens. Don't refuse spiritual burdens. Receive them. They're important for us. We ought to be burdened for the work of God. Amen? There's coming a day where we get to lay them all down, but not yet. Not yet. Spiritual burdens are important for God's people. Spiritual burdens give us meaning beyond ourselves. Believe it or not, the world doesn't revolve around you. And it doesn't revolve around me. It ought to revolve around Jesus. Let me give you one final thought tonight. Look at verse number 4. It came to pass that when I heard these words, that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. 
Spiritual burdens finally tonight. They bend us towards God. Spiritual burdens bend us towards God. You see, before Nehemiah went to Jerusalem, before Nehemiah went to the king that he worked for there at the palace at Shushan, before Nehemiah went to anybody else, Nehemiah went to the Lord. Nehemiah fasted and prayed. By the way, fasting and praying ought to still be something we do about spiritual burdens. Fasting and praying. You say, preacher, what is fasting? Fasting is the denial of our flesh, most often pictured in, in like the skipping of a meal or, or, or not eating for a day or multiple days, but it is the denial of our flesh in order to emphatically seek the Lord. And yes, it is still something that we ought to do as believers. Jesus said this in Matthew 6 and verse 16. He said, moreover, when you fast. So it's assumed that we do. When, when the disciples ran into a problem not being able to see the power of God in their ministry, Jesus' assessment for them in Matthew 17 was this. He said, uh, this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. You want to see God do something serious in you and through you? Well, get serious then about your relationship with God. Fasting is the denial of our flesh so that we can emphatically seek the Lord. And it is still something that we ought to do. Nehemiah fasted and Nehemiah prayed. You know, you go throughout all of Scripture, there are so many great promises on prayer. Amen? I think one of my favorite portions of prayer is Matthew 7. Beginning in verse number 7, where Jesus said this. He said, say it with me. We'll go through verse 11. We'll read them all together. Amen? Jesus said, ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Verse 8. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Look what he says in verse 9. I'll read this. He said, Or what man is there of you, whom if his son shall ask bread, will he give him a stone? Well, no, I wouldn't even do that to Christopher, would I? Love you, bud. Or if he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? Well, I'm definitely not doing that. If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, look at this church, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask him? Spiritual burdens bend us towards God. You know what do we do in prayer? In prayer we cast our care on him, amen? But prayer is more than that. Prayer is committing the outcome to Him. Prayer is seeking His grace for the burden. Prayer is seeking His power in the process. I love what one person said on prayer. He said, Satan dreads nothing but prayer. 
His one concern is to keep the saints from praying. Satan fears nothing of our prayerless studies, of our prayerless work, of our prayerless religion. He laughs at our toil. He mocks at our wisdom. But he trembles when we pray. I love what one other preacher said. I love this quote. Listen to this. Without grace, burdens break us. With grace, they bend us toward God. See, I want you to know tonight, the spiritual burden, the spiritual work that that God has given you to do is not the problem. Having the wrong burden is the problem. How many of us can attest that we spend far too much time burdened about the wrong thing? Burdened about insignificant things. Burdened about things that belong to God and not to us. Being burdened about the wrong thing is the problem. You see, the burden, the work is not the problem, but even the right burden, apart from God, does become a problem. What does Jesus invite us to do with our burden? He invites us to do what? To yoke with Him. In Matthew 11, in verse 29, Jesus said this, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest to your souls. Why did the oxen yoke together? What did the oxen do? They pulled the plow. They bared the burden together. What a remarkable thing that we are invited to be co-laborers with God. 1 Corinthians 3.9 is extremely explicit in that regard. For we are laborers together with God. Now I think it'd be really cool to be able to play music with George Jenkinson. To be a co-layer, I can't play music. Regardless of what David Weirich says, I cannot play music. But I think it'd be cool to be a co-laborer with you. I think it'd be cool to be a co-laborer with Darrell riding, riding one of them lawnmowers. Darrell, I've ridden one of them lawnmowers one time in my whole life. And it wasn't even a fancy one. It was one that did turns about like this. All right? I think it'd be cool to be a co-laborer with Darrell. I think it would have been cool back in the day to drive a truck with Brother Sanderson. That would have been cool. I think it would be cool to be a, be a co-laborer driving them hot rods with Barry Halstead. Amen. What about, what about being a co-laborer on the, on the field or on the court with your favorite athlete? What about that person from history you've always wanted to meet? Being able to work with them. Oh, it'd be cool to work with a lot of people and do a lot of things, but I'm going to tell you, all of that pales in comparison to the reality that you and I every day have the opportunity to be a co-laborer with the sovereign king of the universe. Amen. And we get to yoke up with him, partner with him, work with him, go out into his fields. We sow and we water and he gives the increase. Amen. Amen. 
That that burden that he puts on our hearts and our lives, where we're not just sent out to figure it out and do it on our own. We get to do it with him. And the cool thing about him is, you know what? Every once in a while, uh, George is going to play a wrong note. Every once in a while, Darrell's going to miss a blade of grass. Every once in a while, Barry's going to run a stop sign. We're all going to fail every now and then, but he doesn't. And so I get to team up every single day with the one who cannot fail. So Christian, let God give you a burden. Let God give you a burden and then go be bold with him. You know, it starts with a burden. I wonder tonight what that spiritual burden is for you. Is it a child? Is it a grandchild? Is it a burden for a neighbor? Maybe for some need within your community. Maybe it's a burden for those who are addicted, those who are hungry, those who are lost. What is the burden that God has given you? Christian, don't resist the burden. Don't resent the burden. Receive the burden. Because praise God, you do not bear it alone. Be burdened. And with God, be bold for His glory. Father, we love